we called your attention this morning very briefly uh, to the gospel according to Dr. Luke. Uh, you will find in your Bible, Luke chapter 11, uh, you will find these words. And it came to pass that as he was, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. You all with me? Well, let's roll. <laughs> Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it will be done as it is in heaven, so in earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, may Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Uh, this morning, very briefly, we will talk about the power of prayer. The power of prayer the power of prayer. I love to hear my friend Mile Monroe talk about this power of prayer because it's so very powerful. When we look at our lesson text this morning, there's nothing more common among men than to pray. Yet not, there's nothing more mysterious and more misunderstood than prayer. Every religion has set aside a time to pray. But there is a thorny question. Why do people pray? Hundreds and millions of people around the world participate in this ritual on a day-to-day -day basis. All languages, all cultures, all background, and all people. Why is the human spirit naturally drawn to praying to an unseen and an unknown to some people, God? I heard a news commentator say the other day when he was reporting on the storm down in Florida, I think it was Kamal, one of them, he said, after he had interviewed the governor, he said, well, they have done everything they can in Florida now that Irma is coming up on the West Coast. He said, the only thing that we can do now is pray. And you know, you know that, that did something deep down in my sanctified soul. When he said, all we can do, we've asked the 20 million people in Florida to leave. We, we've, we've got all these shelters set up. We've done all of this now. We've done all we can do now. The only thing, the only weapon, I said, the only weapon that they have now is prayer. Category five storm, 185 miles an hour, about 300 miles wide, covered the over, bigger than the whole state of Florida, uh, coming up to Florida. And the only weapon, the only weapon that we have left now is prayer. Boy, that thing got to me. So today, I will teach 
that prayer is the most awesome power any human being could ever have. The power to influence on earth from heaven through prayer. We have the power to influence things here on earth from heaven through prayer. You have that power to influence the things here on earth, but you got to go to heaven to get it. So we have that power, the most awesome power. I, I don't care what power you can get. There's no politician that could help them. Uh, there, 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 there's no amount of money that somebody can give them to help them. The news commentator say, only thing we can do it, he said, pray for the best. I say, what, is, what does he mean, the best? So this morning, we would look at our lesson text. When we look at this 11th chapter in the book of Luke, that first verse says, and it came to pass that as he was praying, talking about Jesus, in certain places when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, pay attention because there is a very important issue here. Because these disciples had been walking with Jesus. They had been with Jesus for three and a half years. They saw every place that he would go to and everything that he would do. Uh, but, but, but now, they didn't ask for the big picture things. You know, the, the thorny question is, why didn't they ask to learn how to feed 5,000 people? Why didn't they ask to learn how to calm the storms, how to cast out demons, how to heal the sick, how to raise the dead? You know, the thing that I would have wanted to know is, Jesus, how, teach me how to walk on water. Uh, but the only thing that they wanted to learn was how to pray. Yeah. Why was that? I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because, see, there is a procedure. There is a thing that Jesus taught. Uh, they say that Jesus spent at least five hours a day in prayer. And they say that if you look at uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, you will see how Jesus got up early in the morning. He would get up early in the morning, and he would go into prayer. He would pray sometime with the Father for five hours. And the disciples would get up, and they would be looking for Jesus. they say, where is the Master? And you would see it in all scriptures. They would always find him in prayer. Jesus would pray four to five hours a day. Then he would get up and say, uh, let's go to Jerusalem. While they would be walking with Jesus in, into Jerusalem, he would see a man with a withered arm. He would say, um, stretch out your arm. He would see a man blind. Jesus would put his hands on him and give him his sight. As they was walking along with Jesus, Jesus would maybe see a leopard and he would cleanse a leopard. But, but, but he would cleanse a leopard. It would take him about two seconds. It would take him about three seconds to cast out a demon. But I want you to get the ratio here. Those mathematicians that we have here. He spent five hours, but he spent two seconds casting out the demons. 
So the disciples said, well, all that other stuff that he does, it must not be as important. But if he's been five hours, that's what I want to learn. Why is this prayer life, why, why the success, y'all wake up and write this down. The success of Jesus' ministry was the time that he spent in prayer with the Father. Hallelujah. Some folks say that he spent so much time with the Father in prayer that the man of the Father got into Jesus and Jesus saw the things that he was going to be doing that day. So he'd already seen how he was going to tell that man to stretch out his withered arm. He had already seen how he was going to catch the demons out of that man that was in the graveyard. Just so, so, so Jesus now, his, 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 he said, let this man now be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. The, 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 the ratio here is awesome. So the, so the disciples said, I see what's important. Teach us how to pray. That's what we want to learn how to do. Teach us how to pray. Teach a boy how to fish then he would always have fish for the rest of his life. But if you give him a fish, that's just for one day. Now that's come from Confucius, that ain't in the Bible. <laughs> but, but, but I want you to understand the ratio here. Two seconds to raise a young man that was on the grave with his mother. He touched the bibber and told the boy to go home. But, but he already spent five hours in prayer with the father. But, but, but there's a problem here with the contemporary church. We try to reverse this thing. We spend five minutes in prayer and then try to come and work five hours in ministry. Y'all know I'm right, don't you? We saw in our Sunday school lesson this morning that the man brought his boy that was a lunatic to Jesus to cast out the They couldn't do it because they had put stuff on automatic pilot. They said, oh, we've done this before. We don't need to pray about it. But then the man brought the boy. They couldn't do it. Some preachers say, well, I, I, I preached that before, so I don't need to study that sermon. Get up here and flat, flat line. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? But your pastor don't do that. Oh, I've taught that Sunday school lesson before. I don't need to say, flatline. Y'all know what I'm talking about. See, you cannot put ministry on automatic power, what I told them this morning. See, see, they spend so much time in prayer with, with Jesus. See, see, prayer makes our lives more focused and more peaceful. Prayer to God gives us wisdom and gives us guidance. So as we go through the things in life, see, Jesus had already spent that time with God in prayer, and when you spend that time with God in prayer, then, then he can give you that guidance that'll guide you around all the problems and difficult things, all the pitfalls. He tell you where the, where, where, where the minds are that you may step on and blow your head up and all that kind of stuff. He just directs you around that stuff. And then when you spend that time with God and you're in a meeting and things going bad, all you have to do is drop your head and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, because you already been spent some time with it. But if you ain't spent no time with it. I told y'all, when I first met my wife down at Tennessee State, I gave up all them other girls. 
They see me walking with Evelyn and they say, oh, that's how it is now. I walk her to the dormitory, then I would go back to my dormitory and I would call her up and see how she doing. But you see, I, I, I had to spend some time with her. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. You, you don't love nobody and don't spend no time with them. You, you, you see, Jesus said, I'm going to give you a model prayer now. I, I, Jesus said, I'm going to teach you the model prayer. Now, I want you to pay attention to the model prayer because this is a model prayer. This prayer, you can do it if you want to, but it doesn't mean that you have to repeat this prayer, prayer verbatim. It's a model that you go by. The Lord's Prayer is in John chapter 17. But the model prayer is that we model this prayer. It's what God, this is how God wants. And see, a lot of people, you know, you go to church and folks say, go pray. You don't, folks don't know how to pray. They just say, go talk to God like you talk to your dad at home. No, you don't. <laughs> folks talk bad to them parents at home. Y'all know them, right? And they write miles sometimes. <laughs> I'm just messing with my <laughs> but, but, but you know you just can't go to God and talk to God like you talk to your parents what do I say you join the church and they just say I want to pray I don't know how to pray hey, just, just, just talk to God no you, the, the disciples say teach us how to pray so put on your learning hats this morning because I'm going to teach you for a minute the first thing in the model prayer he said, our father. Pay attention because he didn't say, my father. He said, our father. But God, God wants to know that when you come to him in prayer, you are not just coming to him in your selfish mode. You are bringing somebody with you. You are not just praying for yourself, but you are praying for other folk. Because if you go to God and say, my father, he'll say, well, what about the other children I got? You ain't my only child. So the first thing we have to do, we have to acknowledge that he is our father. That means you're praying for everybody that, who calls God their father. And also, the word father means source. He is your source of significance. He is the reason for your season. Whatever your season is. He, he is your source of significance. That's why we call him father. And if you call God Father, that means that your eternal home is in heaven and your identity is in heaven as well. So if you call God Father, then you have another home somewhere. See, I'm, see my, my, my mama didn't play that stuff. You know how, how some folk go around calling folks mom and dad and they not. No! <laughs> Maggie Shannon didn't play that. I'm your mama. You don't call nobody else mama. You know, down south of here, all them folks wanted you to call them mama. Big mama. Now mama say, no. <laughs> so we call God father because he is the provider. He's the source. But he's our father. We have to bring other people in with us. And he said, our father in heaven. You have to realize that the God that I'm praying to is in heaven. Let me tell you why it's important for you to say that he's in heaven. Because, see, my problems are down here on earth. And, see, I can't pray to nobody down here on earth where my problems are. I have to go to my God who is in heaven. 
That's where he is. He's in heaven. And I have to have Jesus Christ, my big brother, and my, the Holy Spirit, my paracletus, to intercede and get in my words to my father that's in heaven. He's in heaven. I, I got to take this thing to another realm because, see, the realm that I'm living on, the earth can't help me. I got to go somewhere that is more than earthbound. I got to go to heavenbound. My father, he's in heaven. He's not earthbound. He's in heaven. And then we say, uh, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. See, when you're really true about your prayer life, you will not try to build your own kingdom. See, see, my thing is about the kingdom of God. I'm concerned about having God's kingdom to rule here down on earth. I'm, I'm concerned for God to bring his kingdom down and for us to live like kingdom children down here with God because, see, I got a dual citizenship. I got a citizenship on earth, but I got a citizenship in heaven as well. And I'm, I'm praying for God to let his kingdom come down. And I want God, not me, not James Shannon, to let his will, be done. You know, there's two wills. There's man's will and there's God's will. And in order for you to get into God's kingdom, you got to give up on man's will. You got to surrender your, I don't care how much you know, I don't care how many degrees you have, I don't care how much money you have, your will has got to be surrendered in order for you to, to get into God's kingdom. Give up on self. Self cannot fix self. That's stinking thinking when you think self can fix self. So, so the first thing you got to do to get to first base, you got to surrender. You got to give up on your will. And you, then you got to say, give us this day. You know, I hear y'all get up and say, this is the Lord's day. You say it's the Lord's day and you don't even talk to God all day. It's his day. Am I right about it? Oh, y'all know I'm right. And they say our daily bread. Now, now, let me break this thing down to you about this daily bread thing. Because when you say daily bread, you're praying for a whole lot of folk. When you say give us this day our daily bread, the first thing you're praying for is the farmer down there who's growing the wheat. And you're praying for the farmer's family that they will be whole. You're praying for the soil. You're praying for the rain to come so he have a bountiful crop. You're praying for all of the stuff that the farmer's doing. You're praying for the wheat and you're praying for the harvest to come. And when the harvest comes, you're praying for those big trucks. Yeah, you're praying for them big trucks. That's bringing the wheat to the market. You're praying for all of that. You, you're praying for when the wheat gets to the market. You're praying for the people that bake the bread. You're praying for the people that, that put the bread in the grocery store. You're praying for all of them. You're praying for the people that go in the grocery store and shop and get the bread. You're praying for the people that bring the bread home and put the bread in on your table and eat. And you say, give me my daily bread. It's deep. And they say, do not lead man into temptation. Yeah. Now, God is not going, so, you know, God is not going to put you in no situation uh, intentionally. But you're saying, Lord, lead me and guide me. I told you the Holy Spirit is your paracletus, and Jesus is your big brother. He said, God, lead me and guide me so that I would not get into a situation that I would compromise your name. 
Lead me, dear Heavenly Father, that I won't get caught up in something that, that, that I can't help myself do. But, but he say, lead me out of the temptation. Lead me in a kind of way that I won't be tempted. And he said, I want to be led away from things that will tempt me from the evil one. But he taught us all of these things. But he go back and he also said, forgive us our sins as we also forgive others. Now, God wants to make sure. See, God can't work in you when you're bitter and when you're mean and when you got all that unforgiveness in you. God can't work in you when you got all that unforgiveness in you. God said, I'm looking down, Shannon. I want to bless you. I want to continue to bless you, but you got so much unforgiveness in you, you haven't forgiven your brother. I can't forgive you. It says in the Bible that God is going to forgive you in the proportion that you forgive other folk. He said, I can't have you in my kingdom if you got malice and hatred and bitterness in your heart. And the Bible said, don't even bring your offering in here in the church and try to, I don't want your offering. It's stinking my nostrils. Leave your offering and go back and find that brother or sister that you have not forgiven. For you see, that's why a lot of our prayers don't go nowhere. We've been praying a long time. And, and God told them Pharisees, stop making all that noise and stop trying to be seen. Stop trying to use all them big words. That prayer ain't going nowhere because it's all about showtime. Got unforgiveness. And, but, but, but this is the model that we pray. So the point is he taught these disciples how to pray. But I'm glad you asked the question. Did these brethren learn anything? Well, let me tell you, I think they did. Because on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had ascended and gone to be with the Father, and he had promised them that he was going to send them another comforter. But before the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit found them up in the upper room praying on one accord with one another. They learned how to pray because they saw Jesus praying. And also, if you look in Acts, when the, when the mumbling and grumbling got up in the church and the, and the leaders of the church said, listen, we ain't got time for this mumbling and grumbling. Listen, you all go and find seven men of honest report that I can put over this business. But we as the leaders of the church, we're going to go so we can be about prayer and preaching the word of God. We've got to be about prayer. I was, uh, I told you I made my adjustment. I was talking to my good friend down at 7-Eleven this morning. My good theological friend. He claims he go to church some other time. <laughs> but I was talking to him this morning because as I was watching the TV the other day, when they were trying to leave Miami, the only thing that was left open was a 7-Eleven store. And I talked to him about the 7-Eleven, and he told me, he said, let me tell you something, that the concept, of the 7-Eleven store was that it would be open 24-7. The concept of the 7-Eleven store is that when everything else is closed, we are open. But he say Walmart and a few of them other folks trying to mess us up, but, but, but we still got the corner. He, he say that the concept of the 7-Eleven store, when everything else is shut down, we are shut up. 
He said, when everything else is gone, closing, and all of this, now, now we are open. And he said, another thing I want you to understand about 7-Eleven stores is that we always give you access. I don't care how bad you've been hanging over or where you're going late at night, you can always pull up here. And he said, every 7-Eleven, he said, uh, Reverend Shannon, have you noticed that you can always come up and park right in the front of the door? <laughs> he said, because we give you access. Because we are open 24-7, and we open 24-7 to give you access. As I got back in my car this morning, I know that almighty God gives us access. Hallelujah. When everything else is shut down, God is open. When everything else is closed, God is there. Whenever we need God, we got access. We can pull up right to God and ask God. All them people down there in Florida, all them, they may have lost everything, but they have not lost their relationship with God. They still got access to God. I don't care what you're going through in your life. 24-7, you can get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. You can call on him because that's his mode of operation. He is available to you. 